Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we finish up a two-part introspection into what it means to walk by faith. Derek McIntyre is going to share with us today some practical teaching that comes from a theme that is rooted in James chapter 1 and found in the character of King David in addressing how we deal with the difficulties of having our plans changed. We will see that a key component of navigating our way through this world is making sure that we're walking according to God's design and thereby learning to walk by faith. Thanks for listening as Derek shares what it means to be called after God's own heart. That right there is what you call Wisconsin 11 point. (laughs) (laughs) So... With uh, the birth of our youngest, Will, my time in the woods this year has been much, much less than what it normally is. And normally I'd probably let that guy walk, but uh, when I saw it, and when I saw they were longer than three inches, it took me about half a second to decide (laughs) to shoot. So, very thankful. I went home and got Herb. He helped me with the recovery. It was kind of funny. He thought he was going to track it. And I actually shot it, and it dropped in the logging road. So we pulled up in the car, even. And uh, he gets out, and he goes, where is it? And it's right there. He goes, what? You shot it by the car? (laughs) Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Thanks for putting that in there. Let's see what we're doing here. All right. Well, if you're paying attention to the Old Old Testament reading, you probably thought it didn't make a lot of sense. And it didn't, because I screwed up. (laughs) So, if you could turn with me to uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 13, verse 13. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had... He would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the, kept the Lord's command. That probably makes a little more sense, eh? All right. So the title of the message is After God's Heart and kind of where, where is our compass pointing? But first, I want to talk about deer hunting some more. So we're going to do that. So opening day was uh, this past Saturday, a week ago, a day ago, in Wisconsin. And I put a lot of time studying maps, scouting, things like that, to figure out where I wanted to hunt, as many can attest to. And had a spot picked out, about three-quarters of a mile walk, straight to the southwest. Knew where I wanted to go, figured it'd be far enough away from anybody. I kind of have it to myself. Got out of the car, pulled out my phone, checked out my compass on my phone. Said, all right, southwest, I need to go right that way. I, get, I know the woods pretty good there. It's not my first time going through there, so I was a little bit uh, overconfident in where I was going. And I wasn't paying attention. So <laughs> as I was going through the woods, I came across what I thought was the, the skid ro- little skid road. That kind of goes the direction I need to go that I'd pop, pop off of after about 100 yards. 
I was walking along, also I saw something glowing up ahead. That's kind of weird. Keep walking, got a little closer to it, got a little closer to it. It's a reflective sign. Well, I don't remember any reflective signs. There's no reflective signs out here. There's a couple national forest boundary signs, but there's nothing reflective. I walk a little closer, and it was a fire number. Much to my surprise, I had gone to the northwest and ended up on the very road I'd left. <laughs> Looking at my phone and my GPS kind of confirmed what I had done. Kind of frustrating, but whatever. I can still just go straight to the south southwest now <laughs> to get to where I need to go. So I kind of kept marching along, thinking I had my right heading, and every time I'd run into like a little pothole out there, about a 20-foot change in elevation, I'd go around it. I kept going around to the right. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> so I kept going west. After about another 400 yards or so to the west, looked at my phone and realized what I was doing again. Again, more frustrated about what I was doing. But now I knew the terrain features where I was, and I could just shoot right up this little drainage. To where I wanted to go, so it wouldn't be. Now, now I can do it. I don't even need the map. This is easy. I can basically have walls on all sides of me. Let's go that way. Well, no sooner I started doing that, I saw a couple headlamps bobbing through the woods right where I wanted to go. So I said, "Ah, forget it." And I ended up popping out here, which wasn't anywhere where I thought I'd be. wasn't where I prepared to be for. But I got out, and I ended up finding a couple big rubs in there, some nice sign. Ended up being a really good spot. Didn't see anything, but it ended up being probably, really, where I should have been. Kind of weird. So I got to thinking about that, a little bit about our walk as Christians, and kind of some of the things we go through in our walk. First thing I got to think about was the influences that we have in our life. This was from a hunt earlier in the year. This one I had about a mile and a half walk into where I wanted to hunt. And 100 yards into the trailhead, I was greeted by not one, but two fresh sets of wolf tracks. So I had 1.4 miles to go, knowing there were two wolves behind me. And that's a fun feeling in the dark. <laughs> so, as Christians, we're the influences that, uh, that Satan uses to maybe steer us off track. We have our peers, our friends, our family perhaps. We have the media, which is a kind of an increasingly influential thing that tells us what is right and what is wrong and how we are supposed to behave. We have ourselves, maybe our own inner thoughts that maybe influence us when they shouldn't be. Ultimately, there's God. Now, which one should influence us the most? You know, easy answer, should be God, right? But, I think as Ryan has pointed out before, the devil's not trying to steer us wildly off track. It's just maybe a degree or two. And he can use those different things to do that. Turning to uh, Philippians, verse 3. 17 through 19. They kind of, Paul kind of outlines this for us. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have made, have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, 
And now you tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. So he's not even talking about your buddy Bob, who's a non-believer in this. He's talking about your Christian brothers and sisters who are acting as enemies of the cross. And how does he describe them? Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, so their God is them, what they want, things that they're searching out for, how to make themselves happy. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, things that we have attained here. The flip side of it, where should our citizenship be? It should be in heaven. It should be, as it said later on the Bible, set on things on high the Lord Jesus Christ. Another thing from my little walk there were obstacles that we face and how we approach them. I have another picture here for you all in the car that can't see it. This is from, uh, I went to my, my dad bought a hunting camp a couple years ago. And this year was the first year I was able to go to it. Went for a couple days and I'm kind of a glutton for punishment. I, if there's a tree stand behind the house, I don't want to go to that one. I want to go to the one that's two miles away through the swamp because the hunting's going to be so much better. <laughs> it's not, usually. <laughs> but, so for this, this example, it was, uh, there's this, it's over in Sini. I don't know if some of you are familiar with that, but it's basically just a big swamp. Then you have all these kind of little raised, raised spots. And I could see where they had taken logging trucks across this bog which is now flooded. And there's just kind of all this high ground that no one else could get to. And there's just got to be deer everywhere. So what I do, I walked a, I think it was like a quarter mile, half a mile on a logging road in my waders. Then I went across the bog, fell in the bog. That was fun. That was on the way back though. So it wasn't too bad. I didn't have to hunt all day wet, but I fell in. And uh, yeah, so I didn't, didn't see any deer. It was really cool back there. No one else was back there, so that was nice. But other than that, I just kind of spent a day by myself. But So our obstacles that we face. Medical. A lot of that. You know, it's whether it's something you're born with, whether it's something that happens to you, slips, trips, falls. Everyone's either dealing with something or will be dealing with something medical at some point. Work, Ugh. whether it's too much work, not enough work, not enough pay from your work, no work at all. That's another obstacle in our life. Family, look again, really touching on something, eh? So some folks aren't blessed to be born in families like a lot of us have been. 
and they're kind of have to fight that battle from the get-go. And if they come to faith, they have to kind of continue to navigate through that. This all gives us emotional, physical, financial stresses that we have to work through. So, how do we get through it? We're going to turn back to, to David now. And this is his song of deliverance after he was, you know, basically defeated all of his enemies and he's thanking the Lord. It's a tremendous whole song if you read the whole thing. It's, there's, um, in business, one of the things my dad taught me that he only well, told me, and by telling me it, taught me it. You know how that goes. But there's a guy in his work that in emails was always saying, I, I need this, I need this, I need this. I think we should do this. And my dad wasn't even, wouldn't even answer his questions in the emails for a long time. He would just reply back and strike out all the eyes and write we, 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 we. Kind of reminded me of this and how David's focus is on the Lord. And it wasn't him overcoming everything, it was the Lord helping him overcome everything. So you, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Like me wandering around the dark, I had a headlamp. In our life, we have the Lord as our headlamp. When I run into a swamp, I have an obstacle. I have my waders. We have God to help us deal with that type of thing. And why? His way is perfect. His word is flawless. And he shields all of us who take refuge in him. It's also thinking about direction. I struggled with direction of travel. <laughs> where, where I wanted to go and where I ended up. I came across this quote. You may not end up where you thought you would be, but you'll end up where you're meant to be. So pictured there is an 18-year-old version of me at San Jose Sharks camp after being drafted. If you ask that version of me 17 years from then where he would be, it wouldn't be given a sermon in Segola, Michigan. <laughs> It would be likely uh, probably at my private ranch in Kansas, <laughs> hunting deer. And then in the summers, I'd be living in a houseboat. That's what, uh, I think that's, those were my aspirations at the time. So playing hockey in the fall. And when I got, had enough money stowed up, I just had my own hunting ranch and I'd just do that. So, so as many of you can probably attest to, whether it's a year ago, a week ago, 10 years ago, you're probably not where you are or what's going on in your life probably isn't what you thought would be going on in your life. And that's okay. We'll turn to David's uh, Psalm 57. And this won't make sense when I first read it, but we'll after, I promise. All right. So David says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. 
Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. What's that have to do with not being where we thought we'd be? Psalm 57 was written by David while he was hiding in a cave from a man. The Lord anointed him to replace. He was hired by him to play soothing music after the spirit had left Saul. He was best friends with his son, Jonathan. Married to his daughter. Saul was also trying to kill him. Even after all that, David mourned the death of Saul. I don't know about you, but if all those things were the circumstances I was dealing with and a guy was trying to kill me and I was hiding in a cave with 400-some misfits, I don't think I would be... Let's see if we can roll back here real quick. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awake... I will awaken the dawn. I don't think I'd be calling Chris saying, let's get a jam session and pray the Lord, because this is awesome. (laughs) One example of what it means to be after God's heart. Last thing. I think it is. We'll see. Our outcomes. Do we accept the outcomes in life, even if it's, again, not what we thought it'd be? I ended up overlooking a nice little marsh that was kind of a nice little surprise, right? It was good. It was good. I didn't expect it. That was good. The outcome was I didn't shoot a deer. That's not great. But it was a beautiful morning. I was in God's creation. There's certainly worse things that could be going on. We're going to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 19 through 22. David noticed that his attendants were, were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? he asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground, and after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Hmm. So I have children that it's hard, right? How? So the context again, we should go through that. But so after David's sin with Bathsheba, she's pregnant. Nathan confronts him, tells him, you're the man in the story. You're the sinner. 
Dave acknowledges it. He says, don't worry, you're not going to die, David, but unfortunately, your kid is going to. Paraphrasing, obviously. But child's born. Child gets sick. David lays on the ground, weeping, praying, fasting. Child still dies. What's his reaction? Pops up, cleans himself up, and what does he do? He went to the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Again, I don't know if I'd be doing that. Going to the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We're all going to face difficulties. We're all going to be in places we didn't think we'd be in. And as Pastor Ron mentioned earlier, it's up to us to focus on what it takes to be where we really need to be. So what does it mean to be after God's heart? It means you put your trust in the Lord to guide your path. So like the bumbling pumpkin on opening day with the headlamp on, that was me. You trust the Lord to take you to the right place. Second, you stay steadfast to walking with the Lord when times are hard. As I said earlier, there are going to be hard times. There always are. But we need to stay steadfast in those times. Third, we need to know that Jesus is the way. And we need to keep that on our hearts and on our minds. To end it, hopefully I can get through this. So, in the spring, when COVID was first kind of ramping up in April, I read a story about a woman near Detroit named Sandy Brown. The story was Sandy lost her husband. I think it was 30 years to COVID. Two days later, she lost her son to COVID. He had uh, respiratory issues, but still. This was this is an excerpt from that story. As she prepared to bury her husband and son <coughs> on Good Friday, she was enveloped by her faith. She said, God has his arms wrapped tightly around her. It's the only way she's been able to deal with the grief 
Medical science says I should be traumatized, she said. I had a traumatic experience twice. I should be banging my head against the wall. But God said no. I'm standing here in the strength of the Lord, not strength of my own. God has got me. As David the psalmist said, My heart is steadfast, O Lord. My heart is steadfast. And as James said, count it all joy.